0: Ryan got God of War, and I wasn't allowed to play it. I've got this, and he doesn't have it, so there. Hello, Winterwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. I'm Ryan. Today, Ryan reviews God of War Ragnarok, and I review Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. We'll try to refrain from spoilers for each other's sake. From this extreme long shot, we zoom into our medium shot. Tell me, Ryan... How hyped were you for God of War? This is a question for the uh, audience. I, I know the answer is
1: very much. Yeah. Uh, I was very hyped for this one. I fell in love with the God of War series back since, uh, since God of War 3, just watching it online. I purposely bought a PlayStation 5 because of God of War uh, 2018. And then when I heard Ragnarok was coming out, I was like, okay, I need to get one. So I was ex- I was extremely hyped for this. Very excited for it. And you know... <sighs> you know when you get yourself like really excited for something... And you just... And as you work up for it, you just start to get more and more hyped. You start to theorize. And you start to think of, oh, what could happen? Maybe this could happen. Maybe this could happen. And just like... It comes out... And usually it sucks. And none of your expectations, like, hit. Well, that doesn't happen here. (laughs) Fucking love God of War Ragnarok. (laughs) There are some criticisms. There's this YouTube channel that I follow. His name's Captain Cuba. He's really cool. I think he's based in Toronto. And he's strictly a God of War account. He found some things that were disappointing in the game, but that's because he's a theory channel. And I do believe... I do believe part of me thinks when you, when you start to theorize daily about something and it doesn't come true, part of you is disappointed that that does kind of change your opinion about the game. However, his criticisms are mostly valid and I, I respect his opinion a lot and he still gives the game like an 8 out of 10, which is still great. So, yeah. I'm going to lower the brightness on my laptop because I look like a ghost. <laughs> All right, anyway. But yeah, that's what I love. Uh, I love God of War, especially for that. What is your background on God of War, Joe? Well, if you watched
0: or listened to episode 16, Ryan explains God of War to someone who's never played God of War. I'm the guy who's never played God of War. Spoiler alert. Still haven't gotten around to it, but Ryan doesn't know this until right now. I did buy all the original God of War games. I got the first two for PS3 in the collection. I got the remastered edition as well, and I have let's go the God of War for PS4 as well. So I own the games. I own the games. That's the first step. Mm-hmm. I I'm I'm one step further to the to the Redux episode where we talk about me playing God of War, and then I will get Ragnarok too because if I play through all the other four, I'm going to be compelled to play Ragnarok no matter what. But I yep. haven't gotten around to God of War yet. Unfortunately, in time for this podcast. So I won't have a ton to contribute for this section, but I am waiting with bated breath to hear Ryan rave about this game. He hasn't shut up about it for a year. I say that to sound (laughs) mean, but it's, I love the passion. (laughs) It's, it's nice to hear people love things. It just makes you more hype for it. And Mm. he's going to have fun talking about this today. And uh, let's, let's give him, Attention, I don't know, but like a kindergarten teacher would
1: be like, <laughs> attention, everybody. All right, class, gather around. It's time for Ryan's presentation. <laughs> Quiet, coyote. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, it's funny. A mutual friend of ours, me and Justin, we've been talking about God at War because he really likes it. And we've both Thank expressed you, our mutual frustra- our mutual frustration, how you haven't even started it yet. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's funny how Justin phrases it, too. He's like, it only takes 40 hours. Like the 2018 game. And it's just like, I know, Joe. Joe doesn't even have two hours barely out of his day to do anything. It's only one of... He and I were just talking about this the other
0: day. He's platinumed about seven games or so. Sorry if it's more and I'm underselling
1: you, Justin, but God of War is one of the few he's platinumed. Mm -hmm. Funny you bring that up. God of War Ragnarok is the first ever video game I've platinumed. I've 100% like Xbox achievements before. But this is the first one I've actually platinumed. Mostly because I don't want to grind for the other ones. (laughs) There's just other games that feel a little too grinding. And I don't feel like. It's such a slog. uh, It's such a slog. But with this one, I had most of the achievements down. And I have most of the achievements for God of War 2018. But for this one, most of it was just. Okay, I am 10 Odin Ravens away from. Getting the achievement. I'm, you know, two artifacts away from collecting the achievement. So I was just like, screw it. You know, I finished the story. I have time. Let me just do it. And it felt really good to get that platinum, which kind of made me want to go back and do the God of War 2018. But the combat is a little I don't want to say clunky because it's not clunkier, but it's just more smoothed out and refined in God of War Ragnarok. But uh yeah. I guess let's just get into it. Into our close-up. Let's go. With God go. of War... Yeah. With God of War Ragnarok, why I personally really love it is because I just think it's... It's weird because I... Uh, comparing it... 2018 definitely, I think, now looking back on it, has a better story throughout the whole thing. But God of War's gameplay is just more refined... And uh, it's built upon the combat is better. The interactables are better. The way you can use the chains are better. Uh, There's stuff I can't talk about, but just (laughs) the combat's a little bit better. It's more refined. I can touch on it a little bit, but uh, I can't do it. I can't. (laughs) There's one thing I want to mention that I can't. Let's just say the weapons you can use in this game are really well defined. And that's not the spoiler that that you think. I'll say that, but okay. uh, it's it's really fun. It, it's really fun. And um, the only reason I th- I think I can say that 2018 story is more is a bit better is because it's more simple. Like the uh, I've mentioned this in the past, the story of 2018 is just it's it's simple. It's carry your wife's ashes to the highest peak in all the realms. Where in this one, I think a few people, especially Captain Cuba that I, that I watch, he was a little put off by it because it was a little more complicated. It was, okay, you have to stop. You have to fight against Odin. You have to fight against Thor. There's their backstories. There's Atreus's stories uh, they have to go through. There's Kratos' de- uh, character development. There's Freya from the previous game where you have to uh, acknowledge acknowledge her and go through her story. And then there's all the other, because this is the, they've said since the beginning, this is their, the last time they're going to be in the Norse world for God of War. So there's all the new characters you have to bring in. And, um, I feel like they would have, they would have benefited, I think, from a trilogy to maybe, because it, people say this one felt a little rushed. Stay in the world a little longer.
0: Stay in the world a little bit longer and flesh things out even more. Get to meet more of the mythological characters, maybe.
1: Yeah, but I don't know if I actually believe that because this game was longer than 2018 version, and I think they did the best they could have with uh, you know a two two series like uh, two game. What am I saying? Like two yeah. ser- two games in the uh, in the Norse pantheon. I think I don't know if it was a limitation that Sony gave them. Or if that's just what Corey Barlog wanted at the beginning. And it's interesting because Corey Barlog isn't the game director for this one, but he's the creative director. Okay. And it wasn't because, it, it, reading up on it, I didn't read up on it a lot, is because he was developing a different game for Sony as well. And also Sony likes to do this thing, especially with the God of War franchise, where they like to mix up directors. They don't like to have the same game director for uh, for the whole series. Like God of War one, two, and three, that trilogy, it's all different directors.
0: Okay, so that would and... that be the difference? Let's say, for example, like George Lucas direct was the creator of Star Wars, and he directed A New Hope, mm-hmm. but he didn't direct Empire, Return of the Jedi. But he was still the story guy. He didn't he didn't write it. Yeah. but he still did the story. He was a huge part of developing it, but he didn't physically make the game. So I guess this was.
1: Like that, I guess. I guess that's right. the equivalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still that's that is part definitely of in the creative process. I thought he did direct Empire. Did he not direct Empire? I thought Return of the Jedi was the only one he didn't direct.
0: No, he didn't direct Empire or Return of the Jedi. He did A New Hope in the
1: prequels. Wow, I, I don't know what I... Empire. I don't know anyway. I'm
0: blanking right now on who did it. I think his name was.
1: Kirchner. I know Ross Marquand did, uh, Return, of Je- oh, Marquand did uh, Return of the Jedi. or Richard Marquand did Return the Jedi because it says so on my poster. I believe Empire was (laughs) Uh, uh, Kirshner. Yeah. Oh, well. God of War. Well, they forgot to say that in the ILM documentary, didn't they? Anyway. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Irvin um, Kirshner. Irvin Kirshner. The graphics alone, and it's crazy because it's not the greatest graphics that you could see on a next gen system. Like with uh, maybe The Last of Us Part 2 or Horizon Forbidden West. But it's just so... It just feels so grounded and realistic. And I noticed it the other day when I was getting all the other achievements. Sorry, trophies. Whoa. Blasphemy. you a- Xbox uh. person? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Smite. Anyway. Smite! 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 <laughs> fight! Fight! <laughs> Shame. It's a Game of Thrones reference which you still haven't watched. Anyway. <laughs> but it just feels so grounded and there's little details in it too like the uh the f- the fur that's on kratos's um chest piece at the beginning of the game you know with the dual sense controller <laughs> here's a little advertisement with the DualSense controller you can feel every little movement that's in it
0: i was gonna um, ask how it, how it use utilize the controller's settings because there's so
1: many fantastic features yeah. on that controller It's crazy. I didn't really notice it until someone uh, brought it up to me about how like even when you're in front of the the fireplace at the very beginning, you can feel like there's little tiny vibrations in the control that make you feel like you're near it. Little like vibrations when you're doing Mm -hmm. combat and with like other controls, I'll even say with Xbox where the whole thing is vibrating or part of it is this one. You can feel like it's like maybe this corner or this corner. It's crazy the amount of technology that's in this. I got and a I am story. an Xbox. F-
0: yeah, I, I am an Xbox for, fanboy, just, yeah. Yeah.
1: but but this is probably the best control I've ever played on. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and this isn't even the one I use. I have a red one that came with the PlayStation, oh, yeah. but I don't know, just what it is just the button layout, the sticks, and it's weird when I played on this for a very long time when going through the game catalog, and I switched back to Xbox. My thumb felt weird going up here. <laughs> like, it felt like a weird strain on it.
0: It's a great controller. Oh, yeah. It's a great controller. It actually needs... Like, it's actually got software in it that you need to update. There's mm-hmm. actual things going on. It, I, what you said there was reminding me of another Justin story. The first time he ever tried out the PS5 controller was at my house, and we were playing the built-in game Astro's Playroom, and he was just kind of going through, and then at one point he hit He was going through a rainstorm and then at one point it went to hail, but it it wasn't really immediately obvious. And he was going through and he's like, oh, the rain's coming down harder here. And I looked to him like, but how do you know that? And then he had his mind freaking blown. He was like, wait, I can feel it in the controller. I just knew that it was harder. I didn't question why.
1: (laughs) So that's crazy. Like you don't think about it until someone points it out to you. It just makes it so much more immersive immersive experience. Yeah, but and did so use those features uh, well? I use those features very, very well. Almost, and I can't really bring up those points because I'd never noticed it. So I think that's the best part of it. Where you were so into it, makes you didn't it very even realize. Yeah. I didn't notice it either, too, because with the controller, sound effects can come out of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice till I was I was on the phone talking to someone, but it wasn't that important of a conversation. So I was still playing the game, but I had the TV on mute. And I didn't notice that you can hear, like, your weapons clashing and other stuff through the controller. I was like, wow, there's another immersive thing about it. But to get back to the actual game itself... God, it's just, like, there's so much I want to talk about, but I can't because of you. (laughs) It's just... Get through what you can. Just the combat, the story alone, the acting, Christopher Judge... Sonny, who plays Atreus, is back. And he's, he's grown up. He, uh, Both the character and the actor himself, have you can notice, have gone through puberty. And have mm-hmm. grown up. And I'm glad that they kept the same actor for it. That's surprising. And it, it, it is surprising because you don't really see that happen too often. But I think it has to do with... Because it's also mocap performance as well. Mm-hmm. So maybe that has something to do with it. But I think they also just have a mutual respect for him well what i would say uh, is usually, they do, usually
0: what they would do is they would hire a woman to play the kid yeah. if they thought but they must have known they were getting a sequel where he grew up so they're like oh we'll just hire an yeah, yeah, actual yeah. younger boy to do this and he can grow into it but if they knew atreus was going to stay mm-hmm. at the same age they would have just hired a, a woman to do it probably
1: there's so, only one time and this it, it's a little spoilery, but there's moments where you play as Atreus. That's fine. Yeah, and yeah, that's- it's, shock- it's shocking the first time you do it. Because this is the first time ever you play as someone else besides Kratos. I th- That's think. good. It's- which is insane. It's expanding on the lore. And there's only one section in his gameplay where I thought it took too long. I'm not going to say what it is. Sure. But I was like, okay, I, I want to get back to Kratos, please. <laughs> it- I- everybody who's played it will probably agree with what it is. But there's just one section that was a little too long for me. That's good development. But then they saved it. But they saved it with a boss battle at the end. You know, once you're on the Oh, that's many what this God game does better. Sorry? All the God of War 2018's criticisms were lack of boss battles. And holy fuck. Maybe 48 boss battles in this. Not even kidding. That's yes. including side missions. And it's it they're all great. They all fight differently. There's different strategies with each one. I played on normal difficulty. I can't tell you how many times I died. You're such it's a loser. It's ridiculously... Normal difficulty? I am. I am, man. I suck. I can't do hard difficulty. That's not fun for me. And we're I can't we're wait not in for, for in New for Game fun. Plus. Fun
0: is for losers. You're supposed to... I'm not, in fun. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to hate yourself. Die constantly. Get taunted by the bad guys in the, in the death screens. Or just the game itself. Games are supposed to make you hate yourself. They're not a fun pastime. Or
1: have I been playing wrong all these years? Don't tell me. <laughs> it's like, what is the, the uh, what was it Metal Gear Solid 2? Where the guy just talks shit to you, that one boss? And then so. the only way to beat him is you take your control of port one to port two. That's brilliant oh, game design. That's fantastic.
0: I also mainly think of the uh, Arkham series when every time you die. Yeah, when they talk the shit, when they the, kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: those are great those are... i was just about to bring that up yeah but yeah um and it's funny some of the the trophies in this there's not a trophy for beating on the hardest difficulty which is i appreciate good i'm glad games are stopping doing that i hated that i always hate that to get the platform well, some of the... them yeah i can't say the same for horizon forbidden west because they did the same and that game's hard but that's also a huge game anyway that's also up for game of the year so I'm going to give my game of the year consensus at the end of this cuz I believe game of the game of the year what is up is Horizon Forbidden West, Elden Ring, God of War uh Ragnarok, another game and this one's stupid but Stray. That fucking cat game that every Twitch streamer played for like 30 seconds. Yeah, I heard about that one. But I'll give my game of the year consensus at the end. True. Sure. But yeah, there's just little things in this that I love where there is some art uh RPG elements into this where Oh really you know, this armor set this armor set is good. Sorry, not RPG. Well, it is a bit RPG. You got my this hopes armor up. Set is, Yeah, with this armor set is good for Statistics like fighting and, that, yeah. and cooldowns and vitality. And this armor set's better at defense and all that. You can't sorry, you can't like choose dialogue in this. I'm sorry.
0: Boo. I love yes. those games too, but no it's a a linear narrative pre-written yeah
1: there's actually one part one part where i kept dying to a mini boss and i was like i had to check my stats and i was like oh i have no vitality which is uh health like if you get hit you're fucked Mm. it's like half your health is gone whatever so i had to purposely and a part of me hated that because i don't like going through menus and finding it but once you upgrade all your gear it's really cool and one thing I one thing I really, really loved is whatever armor set you have, if it started from level one when you first get it or it started from level six, when you first get it, you can up max level it all the way. You can upgrade them all if you want to to level nine, even from the fir- the very first armor set you get, you can upgrade that to level nine. And Ooh. I think they made it that way. And it's like it's the best armor set you can have right now, I think. Huh. And I did that and i did that to prep for the final mission but was funny the final mission they gave you an armor set anyway that looked a little cooler so i was like wow well, i did all this for nothing but um uh, but that armor set is really cool and uh it's based off never mind anyway <laughs> but i thought that cuz nice. that part that part really uh just i appreciate because you know you might like this armor set But the like the the traits of it suck. Right. But if you upgrade all the way to max level, you can still fight everybody whenever you want. And also, once you max level something, you there's an option for it to look like any armor set that you have. So say. So say you have like the basic armor set from the beginning and you upgrade it to max level, you can then go and change it to look like, say, the dragon armor set that comes with it. Okay. And you can only do that when it's max level. So you can have the stats of the best armor set, but have it look like the armor set that you want. See, that's awesome. Which I think is... That's a great feature. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: For cosmetics, I always get sick of when games do that where oh Mm -hmm. i really like this armor set but it's too low level now so i gotta get rid of it
1: which also it's free yeah like some um, armor sets some games will do that where you can have it look like something it'll cost you a bit of resource no this one's free like you just do that whenever you want i thought you were implying there were microtransactions
0: are there any microtransactions in this game um pay to win or pay to for armor pay for extras no (gasps) you mean they had morals when they made this thing yes they had
1: morals they actually cared but what i really really love about this game is the
0: game wow
1: (laughs) what i really love about this game in terms of a story is it doesn't feel like a sequel it just feels like more of a continuation of the story and what Mm. i mean by that is a lot of sequels nowadays will just go to the next chapter of what happens like, say, yeah. this is a weird comparison, but Marvel movies, the event, the first Avengers to the second one, it just felt like their next adventure. With this one, with God of War Ragnarok, you don't pick up immediately from the first game, but it just feels like you do. You're just back in this world, and there was so much world bu- building in 2018 that when it finally happens in... Ragnarok it just feels natural it doesn't feel like a next chapter type of thing I think they did that re- very very well hmm. and you know just naming the actors Ryan Hurst is Thor he plays this broken version of Thor that's very different from the MCU and he's got you know he has his daughter Thrud in it who you meet as Atreus and they develop a relationship you know the Odin is very different from Zeus in the uh, original trilogy, where Zeus is this almighty, powerful, angry, just-take-no-shit attitude, where Odin feels more like a grounded villain. He has actual goals and wants. There's a great, there's a great dinner scene, or um, like a meeting scene between Odin, Thor, Atreus, and Kratos, where they're just having a discussion. And you no know, Odin's trying to I'm trying not to spoil the dialogue because I think it's great. But mm. Odin is basically trying to negotiate with Kratos because he he just he wants this one particular goal. And he thinks, you know, someone can help him that but, you know, and he he plays it strategically. He plays it almost as if he is the ultimate trickster where. He seems one way and then it happens this other way. You know, in 2018, everyone's building up to be this horrible, awful person that's done all these really disgusting things. But he comes off as, you know, he plays off as this really, you know, guy who just has this one goal and wants to protect Asgard. And you're kind of conflicted in thinking, were all these stories true or do I really trust him? And it's just. That's interesting. I think it's just brilliant. It's brilliant writing. And I think it. It plays very well on the last game's
0: world building is, I guess mm-hmm. what you're saying, is it, like everything you learned yeah. in that first game is still relevant this time around. You have to... Yes. Without the first... So really, if you... Would you be able, you think, to play God of War Ragnarok without playing God of War 2018?
1: Is no. it still an enjoyable... No. no. you have you have to play them both back no. to back. Okay. I would not recommend it because you need... I think you need the backstory of not just the world building, but also of Kratos and Atreus to mm. really appreciate where they are now. They're at okay. a very good place now at the beginning of this story where they're starting to trust each other and openly, like, ha- there's, there's discussions that they have with each other about trust and promises to each other. Where in the first game, it's like, we have to do this chore, right? And throughout the, throughout the game in 2018, <coughs> excuse me, they have to learn to trust each other and like love each other to be father and an actual father and son. And it's uh, this is my perfect summarization of what Kratos' story arc in these two games are. Twenty eighteen, he learns to ex- like hold on to Atreus and not push him away. Where in twenty, 20- where in God of War Ragnarok, he learns how to let him go and be his own man in an instance. So mm-hmm. in the first game, he learns how to be a father and be protective. And then in, to a young child. And in Ragnarok, he learns to be a father, but also accepting that his son has now become a man and has his own decisions. And it, I think it's just great. It's, you know, some criticisms, that was a word that I failed saying. Criticisms, some people say, where um, they wanted it to be a little bit more spectacle. There's, in terms of the finale that I won't go, go into, they wanted to see more of uh, this huge spectacle. But with, 20, uh, with 2018 and with Ragnarok, it's very grounded in terms of the cinematography, where you're stuck on the main characters the whole time. So part of me really appreciates that they didn't break away from that. That mm. still feels grounded and in some ways realistic. But I can understand. And if you want like huge spectacle battles, go play the original trilogy. I was going to
0: say, it sounds you know, to the me like the original trilogy... trilogy is where those big battles took place. This new God exactly. of War is a continuation of those kind of, but not. Mm. it's not those games. It's its own thing. Don't go into the yeah. new games expecting old God of War. Leave old God of War mm-hmm. where it was and appreciate the new ones for what
1: they are, or don't. If you it's don't more, like them, yeah. don't
0: play them. But they are it's what they are. It's more
1: modernized. Yeah, it's more modernized in terms of the gameplay itself. It's not hack and slash, which I know original God of War fans really love. But those original games are still there. And not to say the final boss battles are bad, because they're not. And it's just, it's just a much more character-driven story, and I really appreciate that. And the dynamic. This game, I've I couldn't pre-order the Yotnar edition because they were all sold out during the checkout. But this beating this game and 100%ing it really makes me want to buy the Yotnar edition just so I can have the little collectibles and stuff. I'm such a collector with all that, and uh, I really want it. I'm not going to pay a scalper $450 to, <laughs> to get it, which I talked to Joe about earlier, but I really hope they do a restock, because I just want to show my appreciation with this world. At first, I did not like the design of Mjolnir, but it's grown on me, because I think it fits in this world really well. It's just, there's so many great, like, little details, too. Especially with Mimir, who is basically the storyteller and the the guy who says all the lore throughout Mm -hmm. the whole game. His storytelling is, you want to listen to everything he says. And there's great moments where... There's even callbacks to the original trilogy oh. where Kratos talks about his old adventures, his old... There's callbacks to fucking PSP games! like To, to the, uh, Ascension si- like,
0: and whatever? Yeah, we-
1: to... Not, as- not Ascension, but uh, Chains no. of Olympus where Kratos talks about how he has his brother. Ascension was, uh, was the fourth game, and it I was... that was um, PSP as well. It wasn't PSP, but that was actually a, a AAA game. It was a prequel oh. game to the to the trilogy.
0: Never mind. I don't know what I'm talking uh,
1: about half most.
0: That's okay. Of the time,
1: I I can understand. I can understand the confusion. I
0: knew there was but other it's just games.
1: The fact these these writers cared so much about this universe. It's just I don't understand like how some like how other writers don't play these games and listen to these stories because. There's just so much love and care put into this. And whenever I see garbage movies that are being popped out, that are just made for mostly spectacle or good action, it just it drives me insane that these good stories do exist. And you can write amazing stories. All you just have to do is put the, find the people that have the passion and the care to actually tell these stories. Because you can tell from Corey Barlog in, the fr- in 2018, it was a very personal story to him because he was just becoming a father. And he was just coming to realization, but he's still, you know, he still feels like this young guy, he wants to go off and do his own thing. And yeah. he has an emotional tie to Kratos in that way. And there's a great documentary about God of War 2018 about raising Kratos. I think everybody who's a God of War fan should watch. It goes through, you know, all the actors, all the creative people and how hard it was to create this game. And our personal story, it was also for Christopher Judge. At one point, he actually broke down during filming because he felt he was an actor before this as well, and he had to film a series in Canada, believe his family in LA. So he feels like he missed a huge part of their life throughout uh, their, them growing up. So he kind of brought that into Kratos. And his Kratos in Ragnarok is a lot more open, but he's still strong, and he still is able to teach Atreus. Fuck, someone just knocked on my door. Okay, we'll pause for a second. Pizza guy? But yeah, it, it's just, um, it's, it's such a personal story to him. And with Kratos, in this game, he's a lot more grounded, but he's also a lot more open, especially with the ra- relationships he has with Atreus and Freya and with Mimir and how it's hard for him to trust people and but he has to with his son and he feels bad when sometimes he doesn't and when his son doesn't trust him and it's just it's it's just a beautiful father-son story out of you know this guy back in 2010 who was just murdering the Pantheon now it's, he's just this older guy who's just trying to connect with his son. And it just amazes me how, like, imagine you took John Wick and gave him a son, like, 10 years later after this original movie series went on. Yep. You would be shocked. But in, somehow they've made it work here. They just build it from the ground up. And don't even get me started on the side missions, too they add to the character story there's a great side mission where Kratos and Atreus are trying to free this creature from uh just from being imprisoned and Atreus is confused why he doesn't want to do go on the main mission right there's even little dialogues telling them hey maybe we should go explore this you know and it works in the world and Mimir, who Mimir is always attached to Kratos, just says, well, he sees you growing up and don't you think maybe he just wants to spend time with you as much time as he has? Because Ragnarok is the the doom of of Asgard and possibly all of the realms. So and Kratos is getting old and he's he's always had a relationship with death and whether he wants to die or not. So he just wants to spend time with you. And that, that like hit me in the feels so much, especially being a few hours away from my family and trying to see him as much as I can. But it's just a beautiful story. And I have, I, I've been saying to all my friends, like it's a masterpiece and it's hard for me to say that and also be critical at the same time, because I do agree with some of the criticisms. I think some of the, main battles could have been a little bit more spectacle but also i just think it tells their story perfectly and i think it's on par with god of war 2018 where it's i think it's one of the best stories ever told in terms of video games Hmm. and but just also gameplay wise there's different they've upgraded the axe they've upgraded the blades there's different moves. There's old moves from 2018 that feel more refined. There's you know the runics that are more refined. The mini bosses. I'm gonna fully admit it. There there are side mission mini bosses where I had to lower the difficulty on one of them. Okay, I had to. I couldn't I couldn't do it only because it was three mini bosses in one, and they were they kept fucking me up. I was impatient. I couldn't handle it anymore. I just lowered Prime. the difficulty, but only for that one. I didn't lower the difficulty for the final boss battle uh, with Gana, which I'm butchering, but that one, and then the Berserker King. I did not lower the difficulty for that, but just, people know what I'm talking about. It's the one Berserker and the his, like, two priests or whatever. They were tough. I couldn't do it, and that's the only time I ever did that. I'll bet it was the easiest fight
0: in the game. I'll find out eventually. <laughs> I, I hate you so much. <laughs> uh man. But yeah, so, it's... <sighs> so how is the gameplay loop on this thing? Because for me, I find as fun as some mechanics are, some things just get boring after a while. Now, there's some games that never get old to me, like Arkham, well, going back to Arkham again, that free-flow combat never gets old, playing Spider-Man on the PS5 never gets old, the agility swinging around the yeah. city. Does this game ever... I mean, you platinumed it, so I know you enjoyed it, clearly. But does playing this game ever start feeling repetitive after
1: a while? Not so much repetitive. I think there's uh, there's one side mission area that I felt was a little too long. Because mostly with the 2018 and Ragnarok, if you go off to do one side mission, you'll just be doing that one side mission. But there's this one area in a specific world called the crater where it's just side mission central. It feels like DLC, but it's not you don't pay for it. They just have it. So it's just kind of like this whole new story arc area that you do. And I was kind of a little annoyed at it at first because I love the main story. And what I like to do is go off, do some side missions just to upgrade a little bit and then to come back to the story. But I was just kind of like, holy fuck, this is still going on. But that was my choice, so that was my only personal gripe with it. Mm. But in terms of the gameplay itself, there's so many variations you can do in terms of moves where... And the enemies are different too, where they're more resistant to uh, the the axe than to the blades, so these blades will cause more damage to them, or the axe will cause more damage to them. And there's all the different runic attacks too, where There's a light runic attack for each weapon and a heavy one where it's just, it's like a super move. But then also there's combos you can do with the axe. There's great ones where if you wait a second, it will send the axe swirling around you. It's just, and there's the different enemy types too, where, you know, some will actually let you be able to do that and some will just hit you. And it's, it's all about strategy, especially in this one where you have to, you have to really know how to dodge and you really have to know how to block especially okay. in the higher difficulties so it's all about when you ever you go into a fight it's not just you can just press square the whole time like in like in god of war 3 remaster and just kill everybody and that combat's really fun but for here it feels more grounded and strategic and also another thing they upgraded was um uh The movement wise, in terms of battle, you can actually kind of like in the old games, use the chains of, uh, um, not chains of Olympus. That's something else. Uh, chains of chaos. What am I saying? Chain blades of chaos, not the chains. Oh my God. But they have chains on them. That's why I'm confused. Blades of chaos where you can throw it up uh, on top of a ledge and swing up there. Whereas in 2018, you physically had to climb it. So there's more movement ability. You can actually pick up rocks and throw them at people. There's different shields in this game than in 2018. Where in 2018 you could just parry someone. And one shield you can hold it for as long as you want. And it will collect damage and you throw it back at them. I just the gameplay. It's never not fun. That's the thing. You can okay, so- In every new fight you can find something different.
0: So it keeps up the variety nice. What you were just saying yeah. there makes me start to think. How how is the AI in this game? Once you start picking up the patterns, does it get mm-hmm. a little bit boring, or is the AI? There's a lot of different enemy types, like you were saying. But how? Yeah. How do the enemies feel
1: to fight in this game? They feel difficult. Like, and I mean, you know, there's some old. It's funny because in 2018 it was really only one enemy type most of the time Hmm. because you were just in Midgard most of the time but excuse me with uh, Ragnarok you go to different realms all the time so you're kind of on your toes a lot and each different enemy has their own strategy like the elves and Elfheim will they're more floaty and you have to dodge them a lot before you can hit them and get them grounded there are some enemies that are really easy, easy to get rid of. But other ones, they will always be paired with kind of like a harder mini boss to, to fight. Okay. So none feel too repetitive. There are enemies that when you see them that are really annoying because they're just hard to fight. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. It's like the wolves, like the wolf creatures. Those ones suck. I hate fighting those. But you feel good after beating them.
0: Alright, so, that was a good time for you to tell us your Game of the Year ideas.
1: Oh, man. Well, it sucks I can't get into any spoilers. Oh, I for- completely forgot about one character, but, uh... And people know what I'm talking about. Maybe you shouldn't read the comments in this, just in case. But, <laughs> uh, I will but uh... But the character of Tyr and how he's presented as well... Who is this version of uh, this universe's God of War? He's kind of more um, like standoffish. He doesn't. He's he was built up a lot in 2018, and now he's different here. But there's a realization to why he's different, and I think it's done brilliantly. All right. It's shocking, but it makes sense. But with Game of the Year, God, this one's tough because I love Ragnarok so much. But I also know Elden Ring stole gaming for like a month out of this year, so it's really tough. And I there's so much lore, and I'd never played Elden Ring. It I don't. Those are one of those games. It's like Bloodborne and Dark Souls, where like it's the hardest it's supposed to be, and I'm just like, no, no, thanks. It's not fun enough. But I know we know Ryan likes of... fun over a challenge, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just. I say that like it's such so a I, bad thing. Yeah. And there's so much, there is a lot of lore in Elden Ring, if I, if I recall, that I can remember. There's, there's a lot of story in that as well, in terms of characters and the world that you're in. So a part of me really wants to say Elden Ring deserves it. But if God of War Ragnarok gets voted out, I wouldn't be surprised. I honestly think it's just a beautiful story. It's a character-driven story. One you haven't really seen in a very long time. And I think a lot of writers can learn off of it. It's just... Again, you took this character who was known uh, known for bloodshed. Just creating bloodshed and anger back in the early 2000s. And you make him more grounded and uh, character-driven. Give him a backstory. And... I just think it's a wonderful game. So my game of the year choices are both Ragnarok and Elden Ring. I don't see either one of those games not getting them. But my personal vote would be Ragnarok. And to compare it to 2018, I just can't because it just feels like a continuation to me. I feel like they're both masterpieces. That's just my personal thing with it. Also, I think, that's also, a I great think you, you need to play this game to not spoil it. There is a character in this game, particularly, who was played by the Karen Page actor from Daredevil. Deborah Anwell, yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw her and I was like, is that who I think it is? And then I heard her voice and I was like, is that who I think it is? And I looked it up. I was like, wow, did not expect her. <laughs> but yeah, just the acting alone is brilliant. The characters alone are brilliant. I, it's an amazing franchise. And someone, please give me the Yotnar edition.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're in here. You. Send. Yep. Send Ryan that. Uh, if you got it. PlayStation Canada, send me a Yotnar edition. I really loved it.
0: Okay. Well, you convinced me to play this game when I finally get around to it in about two years. We'll come back. Two. And-
1: That's conservative. Oh, my God. Do you have to watch every Star Trek thing? I already did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's video games I'm behind on, man. I'm caught up on TV and movies, mostly. Actually, not really. There's too much. The streaming wars have ruined movies for me because I can't. I, just going to the theater isn't enough anymore. Now I have to catch the latest Netflix releases and everything too. It's too much. And most of it's trash. Right. So I find myself skipping a lot. And what I'm about to talk about, Glass Onion, that's a that's a bit of a weird one because really it's a Netflix release, but they did a limited theatrical release, which I just saw this week. So by the time this episode comes out, it's probably not even going to be in theaters anymore. Which means we might actually get an early review out for once, depending on when it releases on Netflix. So, what do It you know? says December 23rd. Hey, cool. So Close Up's going to get a review on this long before Glass <laughs> Onion even comes out. That's a shocker. Unless you're one of the few people who saw it in theaters, in which case, good for you. So, zooming back out to our medium shot, just going to give a little bit of context. I don't want to be lumped in with the Ryan Johnson hate collectively. Uh, I'm not one of those people who hated The Last Jedi so much that they will never see another film of his again. I know there's a lot of people like that. I... I did not like that particular film, very much not so. We've complained about it a lot. I've taken some shots myself at, at Ryan Johnson, but you know what? I'm, I'm still going to watch his other stuff because I think he's a generally good filmmaker. And I really enjoyed Knives Out a couple years back. I thought it was a great modern twist on the gentleman detective genre, a fiction so i thought that was a fun time and glass onion when i was okay i'm like well you know i like i like knives out i don't know if i needed to see a sequel to this but hey this is out i like that i like seeing daniel craig and other things than james bond as a as a leading man sure why not i saw it i loved it and i'll get into why And uh, Ryan didn't see it in theaters, but he's thinking of seeing it when it
1: comes out on Netflix, so. Yeah. It's funny, with Knives Out, I just remember hearing good things about it. And I was one of those people that actually really liked Last Jedi, uh, aside from a few things. So I I wasn't on the Ryan Johnson hate train as well. Uh, And I think one thing got spoiled for me before watching it. And mm. I just made my own conclusion from it, and it wasn't even a video; it was a thumbnail of a video. I was like, um. mm, "I wonder what that is." And spoilers for *Knives Out*, uh, the original, I thought it was—I thought it was interesting, but I didn't think it was as good as everybody thought it was because it was—it was, was a decent twist on it, but it was basically, it's basically—it's a who done it, but they told you who done it in the first fifteen minutes, so now you're just trying kind to of. like. Kind of, kind of, yeah. And you're just trying to follow, like them covering up. First time I ever saw Anna de Armas act, I believe, and she Me nailed too. it. amazing well. It was a great, it was a great ensemble of cast characters too. So I, I had fun watching it. But I remember just being like, yeah, this is okay. But I'm interested to see what you think about Glass Onions. Daniel Craig did amazing. Why was I hired? <laughs>
0: I think I'll just let's get up into well, I guess our new close-up now. I'll start with saying that the character Benoit Blanc and this glass onion knives out thing in the first place. I really think it's amazing what Ryan Johnson's done with these couple of movies that he created here. I, I really feel like if he wants to keep these things going, Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc could sit alongside famous detectives like Sherlock Holmes, Poirot. Uh who was the original one the the french one the the oh the the one pink panther nope uh, <laughs> nope no, the original one that Sherlock Holmes was based off of the French one. Oh, oh oh, I'm gonna get blasted by literary people. I've actually read these <laughs> it starts with a starts I with didn't a p know It was
1: based off anything
0: uh, Pink panther <laughs> crap <laughs> I am sorry Here he'll I'll be Benoit Blanc. I think this series of movies, though not adapted from any literary source, it's crazy to me how well this sits within those genres. I mean, he probably won't be remembered quite to the same heights as those other detectives. But the fact that this is an original gentleman detective story just for the movies, only made within the last few years, it captures the tone of those stories so well. If you're into murder mysteries, these movies are a must because they take the classic tropes, put their own spin on them in a way that the old ones probably won they're very they're very modern in their sensibilities but also classic feeling at the same time. Don't know how else to describe that at the moment but there's this I just as a as a fan of literary mystery murders these movies just hit the right spots for me. They they like to play with genre conventions and okay so for example in Glass Onion the the movie starts with all the main characters except Benoit Blanc they all receive a box in uh Not the mail, but just, they all receive these boxes. And it's a puzzle box, and they all have to open the box. And they all kind of help each other open the box, because they're friends, they're just talking to each other over the phone. And inside the box, when they finally get it open, is an invitation from this guy named Miles Braun, who's this elusive, billionaire, genius, inventor guy, who is very famous and known the world over, and these are all friends of his. So he invites them to his private island for what's apparently a yearly party, but he also invites them to this party, and, and the main theme is going to be a murder mystery to solve his murder. So everybody is like, hmm, that's interesting. And then Benoit Blanc gets a, an invitation as well. And to this, to this private island with all these rich jerks. For this murder mystery party, and he's like, "Oh yeah, this will be interesting." But then, well, I guess this is a minor spoiler. But when he gets to the island and he's being introduced to all these rich jerks, he talks to Miles Braun, and Miles Braun is like, "Yeah, actually, I didn't invite you." And he's like, "Okay, that's that's weird." (laughs) So we're, we're you only made like five boxes. And all these people on this island are your friends, but they all have a good like by this point Benoit Blanc's decided if he found out that everyone basically has a good reason to kill this guy already. He's already figured out and somebody invited the world's most one of the world's most famous detectives to this island for a for a murder mystery game. And Blanc's like, I think someone's actually gonna try to off you this weekend. So, like, let's be careful. I'll keep an eye out for you. I'm not a bodyguard, but, like, the fact that I'm here and you didn't know I was going to be here, that means one of these people invited me here for some reason. Like, we do not know what's going on. This is freaky. In this private island, because he's a rich, eccentric jerk, this Miles Braun is played by Edward Norton, by the way. His, oh, yeah, this retreat... On the private island, um, it runs off of this new wave fuel, I forget what he called it, clear with a K. It's a hydrogen-based energy source that can power this entire private island.
1: And Sponsored by the, the Kardashians.
0: Yeah, and at the center of the island is this big glass globe that, well, he calls it the glass onion. So title card that, yeah so that's that's what the glass onion is is the island itself this giant mansion on the private island that's only accessible by boat and nobody can get to and there's just these couple of rich jerks and benoit blanc on the island oh yeah and the the main suspect off the top of your head is this character named andy played by janelle monet and sh- she was miles braun's who he screwed out of their billion-dollar business. And then she hasn't been friends with this group for years, but he invited her to this retreat for some reason. And all the other friends who haven't spoken to her in years, but who actually had to testify against her in court just a few months previous, they're all like, what's she doing here? This is making us super uncomfortable. And Benoit Blanc is immediately like, is she the one? No, that's too obvious, right? Mm. <laughs> Well,
1: Maybe it's she, me.
0: <laughs> maybe. and she kind of ends up being the main character, interestingly enough, this this Andy character oh, who I mean, I'm not going to say whether she does try it off Miles Braun or not, or what actually happens, but she Benoit Blanc's not even really the protagonist of this movie. He's just kind of there for it, doing the investigation, but I'd say. Like, he's kind of the one who introduces it in this world, but Janelle Monae's Andy is the real uh, protagonist of this story. But she doesn't really come into play more until the second half. The first half of this movie is incredible, I thought. It was paced super well. It establishes the characters great. Everyone is really interesting. They're all really, they're all decently developed. I'm invested in the world. It feels like a James Bond villain layer location. It's really cool. And then the actual murder doesn't actually happen until halfway through the movie. Hmm. So then, it hap- so then the murder happens halfway through the movie, and everybody's freaking out about it. And then the entire back half of the movie skips back to the beginning, but shows it all from a different perspective. So you can see what was really happening the entire time. The stuff you Just didn't like see the first time. out. Yeah, so I guess these movies have a formula already. But I I thought the the back half started to drag a little bit just because, okay, and this is when this happens, and this is when this happens. You start to anticipate things. It was a little bit, the first half had you because you didn't really know where it was going. Now you kind of know where it's going, but it's like, okay, if you sped through all this exposition, you probably could have just gotten to the end faster. You want to miss out on a lot of interesting things, but it's also like okay, we know. <laughs> we we know already. We saw all this happen the first time. But I thought it was really interesting the way it was built out. All these people on the island, the more you get to know about them, the more you realize how screwed up they all are. And I thought one of the funniest gags was the social media star Bertie played by Kate Hudson and she had this assistant peg played by Jessica Henwick. They were hilarious because this birdie, she makes sweatpants and she's a former model and she's always getting trouble and trouble on social media for accidentally tweeting racial slurs or getting in the just problems. <laughs> but she's not actually a bad person, she's just stupid and doesn't honestly doesn't right. realize what it's saying? like
1: the the grandkid in the first movie, but oh, better. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so she really doesn't realize... And I thought Benoit Blanc had a fantastic line because this birdie is, is all about like, oh yeah, I speak the truth, nobody else will speak. And Benoit Blanc said something to the effect of just because you think without speaking doesn't mean you're speaking truth.
1: <laughs> is that Kate Hudson? Is that her character? Yeah. That's funny.
0: Yeah, so Edward Norton is the Miles Braun, the elusive billionaire. Catherine Hahn plays a governor who is getting in trouble for her clean energy initiative.
1: Uh, who else is in here? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's in this movie. Is a cameo. Sorry. There's a, there's a lot of
0: cameos. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. <gasps> Andrew is
1: Lansbury. Son-
0: yeah Leslie sure. Odom Jr Sorry. is a yeah Leslie Odom Jr. is a scientist who works for Miles Braun who's kind nice. of his go-to guy for doing the science stuff. Uh, let's see who else Dave Batista is this twitch streamer who's like super <laughs> rich is <laughs> one of those uh, like alpha males who
1: How's he fit in the frame? Ma-
0: who promotes male rights and you know tries to it doesn't really think before speaking and just looks really bad in general. And his girlfriend is named Whiskey, played by Madeline Klein, who most of the movie she's kinda just his arm candy and doesn't uh, have a lot to do except look pretty, but she has a little more to do in the in the back half once people actually start speaking to her. That's good. Yeah. The only person I thought was a bit of a letdown for me was Jessica Henwick as, as Peg because I don't think they gave her enough Aww. to do. I'm a fan of Jessica Henwick and I wanted to see her do more. But Yeah, that's a big criticism for me and also the fact that everything looped back and that was But the twists in this movie are shocking. I there's so much you do not see coming. Even when it comes to the actual murder itself, it does not go down at all how you think it's going to go down. They're building up the whole movie to the murder. And even when it happens, you're like, oh, that what? (laughs) That that, That's not okay. Okay. And there's just twist comes back.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Stabs him.
0: Knives out. (laughs) Yeah. Actually gets to kill the person. Yeah. It's just twist on twist on twist and you don't even really know what's happening until the very end. And even then you're like, it was a pretty satisfying ending, I thought. The payoff was really well delivered. I just, I was very satisfied by what I saw at the ending. And yeah, Daniel Craig is fantastic as Benoit Blanc. I'll happily see more adventures with him. Actually, I'll, I'll acknowledge your Chris Evans comment just to make a point that Glass Onion is kind of a standalone movie. You don't have to see Knives Out to get this at all. The only returning nice. character is Benoit Blanc. So you just need to know if Daniel Craig's playing a gentleman detective on a, on a new mystery. It's an all-new cast, and I think it's kind of fun that all the cast are celebrity cameos. Even the minor characters are celebrity cameos. Which is just kind of fun. These movies are just... That's really cool. Actually, Kenneth Branagh's Hercule Poirot stories do the same thing. Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile both yeah. had people you knew everybody in the cast. So I think that's just what these murder mystery movies are doing nowadays. that's just all these celebrity cameos and sort of a fun that's thing. Cool. There seems to be a resurgence of the genre lately. I'm not complaining. I love them.
1: I'm not complaining at all. I just don't. I just didn't know it was coming out in theaters. If I'm being honest, <laughs> I <laughs> didn't either. know it was not at-a-theater release. Uh, let's see. There was oh, a lot
0: man. of this movie was basically a comedy.
1: If you need, by the way, just... get your Avatar tickets quick. Because when even when I was looking a month ahead, Uh-oh. they were almost gone. But also, Uh-oh. I was looking at IMAX. So <sighs> okay, I'm telling look. you, Joe, to get yours quick. <laughs>
0: I'm going to look very quick.
1: And you know so what's really movie, funny, this is, kind of, I don't know if I should even say this, but I'm part of CineClub, but also there's scene points. So this movie and then the last movie that I saw, both are technically free. Because <laughs> I used both it. scene points and my member ticket to get both of them. That's how you gain the system, man. No. CineClub doesn't sponsor I mean, us. it's like, I, they're fantastic. Like, I, like I, pay, I pay for CineClub, but like it's it is free. It's cheaper, you know?
0: I'm not going to do a sponsorship for CineClub here unless you pay us, but please pay us. I want to talk you up. I want to talk you up. They're great.
1: Yeah. It's a great 20% off concessions.
0: And no booking fee online.
1: There's a booking fee online for non members? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, sponsor us, (laughs) CineClub.
0: If you go to see movies and live in Canada, that's the way to go.
1: So, uh, Knives,
0: not Knives, Glass Onion is basically a comedy movie, which is weird. It doesn't take itself very seriously at all, which uh, a lot of people are going to have a problem with, I'm sure. A lot of the humor doesn't quite land, but a lot of it also does, because it's just these famous actors playing off each other. That's That's just fun to watch. It was amusing enough. It's entertaining. Don't take it too seriously. It just is what it is. So, oh, yeah, I thought another weird thing about it was that it's set during the pandemic. Huh. It was, was a weird choice. Interesting. In the first act of the movie, everybody's wearing masks and everything. And uh, everyone's been in lockdown for a while. Benoit Blanc is introduced, just, just sitting in his bathtub on Zoom calls, playing Among Us. I'm like... Okay, well, this this movie's dated.
1: You <laughs> <laughs> would totally be playing that game. It's like, "Well, I have to have practice."
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how he's oh, introduced. Oh,
1: no. Oh
0: my yeah. god. Yeah. And the funniest part is that the you celebrity. are sus. <laughs> yeah, the the celebrity character played by Kate Hudson, she like everyone else Ooh. is isolating at home and they're all be trying to be good about it and then Kate Hudson's just at parties. Like with a whole bunch of people around and like even in the scene where like everybody's wearing masks, she's clearly like she comes without a mask on and like I thought that was a funny visual way to show what type of That's person funny. she is. <laughs> Yeah, but oh, then they kind of drop the whole COVID angle just before they get on the island. Like, there's a cameo by Ethan Hawke. He just shows up. He just sprays something into their mouth, and they're like, well, "What's that? You're good." But what? You're good. <laughs> and that's it.
1: It's Moderna. Who knows? Oh, the
0: uh, set I designs sorry, are gorgeous. I can't get,
1: I can't get, can't over, get over Among that's Us joke. That's funny. It was fun for a while, I'll admit. Yeah, I never played that Oh one. my god. It's like werewolves. Anyway. Yeah.
0: Well anyway, the, the set designs are gorgeous. The I thought Ryan Johnson's writing and direction was great. It was a great movie just to look at. The camera work was really interesting. I was absorbed the entire movie. Really immersive. It, it never really got boring. It was always, it always kept my interest. The twists were shocking. Kept me on my toes the whole time. Can never really figure out what was going on. Every time I thought I knew what was going on, it was exactly what the movie wanted me to think, so I'm not that smart. <laughs> uh, that's just the way these things go. But I, th- I think it's a must-see for fans of the murder mystery genre yeah.
1: or fans of Knives Out. So, look forward to are you like uh are you proud or are you disappointed sometimes when you guess who the killer is and or when you guess when someone does something bad in a movie and it's a mystery who it is but you guess who it is are you proud of yourself or kind of disappointed that it was that easy to guess sometimes
0: i tend to fall into the traps of what the movie wants me to think like i said mm. if, if the movie wants me to think this person did it i tend to do that until right. the movie's pointing their finger at somebody else and then I'm like oh well then they did it but it's always subtle enough to make you feel smart enough for picking right. up on the subtleties but I also know it's exactly what they want me to think there was one so, movie where
1: I only had like a I fucking knew it moment it was the movie Prisoners which I think everybody should see
0: it's great, and it, it's see, great anything, d, see anything Denis Villeneuve makes he's one of the best oh, working directors today I've loved every one of his movies
1: I can't wait for Dune 2. Yeah. It's incredible. I love how it wasn't really like, it wasn't in the, this is a Dune, this isn't a Dune episode, but when it wasn't even um, hyped up to be, it to be a series, I think, or advertised for it. But the very beginning of the movie where it shows Dune you the part Dune one. title, it just goes yeah. part one. And you're like, Ooh, what a ballsy move. Denis Villeneuve is an icon. Has he won an Oscar? Please tell me he has. <sighs> I don't know. Let me look it up. Hold on. You do your thing.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I was just about to wrap up anyway. Yeah, Glass Onion. Great time. <gasps>
1: he's Canadian.
0: Yeah, um, I forgot. Canadian. I look, yeah, Canadian. And and I look wow. forward to uh, hearing Ryan's thoughts on it. Maybe we'll do a, a leisure list sometime in December and he can say if he saw
1: it. Damn. Yeah. He's been nominated yeah. twice, but what, not for? won anything yet. Dune and best, everything else. Best motion picture uh, for Dune and adaptive screenplay was Dune. And best achievement in directing Arrival. Arrival was great. Arrival's very good. That was a shocker for me. Yeah, I didn't expect much from that one. Yeah, the twist at the end was wild.
0: Yeah, um, it was, it was a weird he, one. Has he
1: won a Golden Globe? This one's weird. IMDb is weird where you have to like, scroll down for Golden Globe. No, he hasn't. What the fuck? What is wrong with people? <laughs> Give this man an award. Hmm.
0: He's so Oh, bad. man. But, yeah, going back to what you were saying before about calling who did it, I thought this was one of the funniest freaking reveals at the end, you know, when the detective goes around and is like, well, this is actually what happened, this, 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 and that. And this time... It was so funny because Benoit Blanc was just outright disappointed. <laughs> it was so... It was ultimately such an easy case for him that he was like, Damn. What the hell? This is
1: actually terrible. There's 12-year-olds better on a us than you. Basically. So I thought that was... Oh, man.
0: That was hilarious. Just at, at the end of it all, after the whole thing, like, Benoit Blanc's not even impressed by how it all actually went down. He's like, this is what I'm dealing with.
1: That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so, was I hired? So all I right, so let's... His, like, little speech at the end of Knives Out. <laughs> let's wrap her up. All righty, well... Thanks for listening to this podcast. You can find me at RyanWalkOfficial, Official, both on TikTok and on Instagram. And also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Close up Ryan and Joe. We really appreciate it. Leave a like, leave a comment, what you think we can do next, because we're running out of ideas. <laughs> I'm
0: kidding. As long as there's media, we'll never be totally out.
1: As long as Hollywood's not dead, we're not dead.
0: Marvel DC and Star Wars forever. And like other things if they still exist. And other things, hopefully. <laughs> You can find me on Tik on not TikTogram. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Facebook Oh my lord. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok and <laughs> Facebook <laughs> I don't Facebook At ThoughtPlay Media. Also check out Close Up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us on audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Also be sure to leave us comments and reviews as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button or sharing if you enjoyed this. We hope to see you on the next Close-Up with Ryan and Joe.
1: Till next time. Boy!